Lights alive. How do we know she is alive? I hate when people talk during the movie. No wire hangers ever! You are tearing me apart, Lisa! Your stupid mimes. Stupid, stupid! Fresh meat. What have you fucking done? What have you done? What have you bloody boys done? We're back, Ryan. Before we start, would you like a chug a lug of this water? I would actually like a chug a lug. You don't bloody chug a log, a $30 bottle of water. I never said chug a log. Okay, what are we doing? Oh shit, we're back. Oh we're shit, we are fully back. back for season two. For the first official episode of season two um, with our sideshow. This is so cool. Before we get into it, I've been thinking about this movie that we're going to cover today and the title. Specifically, the title, I want to know because you, as a food connoisseur, and by connoisseur, oh, I mean yeah. person who never eats food. Absolutely. But you do eat pizza. Like, trust, I love pizza. I can trust you if we go out for a meal. If there is pizza on the menu, like that's a good fallback. What, uh, yeah, it, easy. But, but you don't, you're not really a toppings guy. Oh, no. I have had a pepperoni pizza since I was about yeah. six year old. That's about as adventurous as you can. Yeah. I once branched out and got chicken and pepperoni pizza for a while, but never I got again. sick one day and I never went and back to it. literally never touched chicken ever again. Um, but like, well, right. So we, we are going to cover, we're covering a movie day. We're covering licorice pizza. If you couldn't tell by the title and the cover art, um, what would your worst topping be? Cause licorice oh. is probably quite high up there on mine because I fucking hate licorice. Oh, licorice would be fucking disgusting. There, no but reason I mean, like, for licorice. Before we, but there is no reason for licorice to exist as a flavor. Let's be honest. It just tastes like fox piss. <laughs> it's one of the most potent foul like... smelling things I can imagine. What? What kind of bumpkin, backward-ass shit? Hello, guys, and welcome to Fresh Meat, the Bad Taste Buds supplementary show, oh, no, no, no. where we, me and Ryan, <laughs> talk the latest about what's showing at your local multiplex theater, giving you the news, previews, and reviews, and uh, trying to steer you away from any cinematic icebergs uh, with our unwaveringly correct opinions all the time. Uh, today, we are covering... There's a lot in there, wasn't there? <laughs> there was a lot in there. You know what? I got through it in one. Usually, I think season two is going to be a game-changer. No more stumbling for this fella. Yeah, yep. <laughs> you don't seem as confident. Uh, today we are taking a trip to the San Fernando. <laughs> I did it immediately. <laughs> today we are taking a trip to the San Fernando Valley back in 1973 for the latest Paul Thomas Anderson flick, Licorice Pizza. Yum. Yummy, yummy, yummy. From the latest Paul Thomas Anderson flick, Licorice Pizza, which was why we were talking about pizza so much at the start. Um, this, like, this is a new film from kind of one of the most affluent directors in Hollywood. I don't know if you've seen much by Paul Thomas Anderson. Not Lords, obviously like Boogie Nights, Magnolia. Some of my absolute favorite films of all time uh, are kind of in his catalog. Some films I'm not a massive fan of, like Inherent Vice was his last kind of big film. And Phantom Thread I've never actually seen. No. Uh, he works with Daniel Day-Lewis a lot and Joaquin Phoenix. Um, oh, that tells you a lot. <laughs> Anyone's got the balls to work with Phoenix for an extended period of time. And Day-Lewis, apparently. Apparently they're both divas. So, um, But he gets good performances. He's always credited quite highly as one of Hollywood's most influential directors uh, back with this uh, coming of age story uh, from his kind of from his perspective as a child who grew up in the 70s uh, and with a story that is garnering a little bit of controversy um, we're going to kind of discuss what we thought about we saw it yesterday uh, still fresh in our heads 
Um, this term actually licorice pizza. Do you know anything about this, or is this like this title? Because there's nothing well, about. I've been thinking pizza. about it. I honestly thought it was going to be something about licorice You're pizza. Waiting the for the pizza to show up. Oh, I mean, we could have. <laughs> we were actually at a really. I want to give a shout out to the cinema we're at because you could actually order pizza where we were at. Oh, and it's the yeah. coolest fucking the thing. Everyman Newcastle. If any of you are ever in the area, does food like nachos and shit, and you get it ordered while you sat down. The area cool. being where Ryan Newcastle upon Tyne in the England, the great the England Isles, the great tune. Um, yeah, so licorice pizza, this is actually a, again, it's, it's a bit of 70s uh, vernacular. Comes from uh, the slang term for a vinyl record, actually, which you will be surrounded by. Uh, um, most, oh my God, that makes it, yeah. so much sense. It looks like licorice and it's in the shape of a pizza. Well, it re- re- resembles licorice, the black kind of shiny, uh, almost like... Well, the, with the lines as well. The, the lines, and yeah, the shape of a pizza. And there was actually a few uh, record stores in Glendale, California, so where this film is set. Oh, I feel fucking dumb. In the 70s. <laughs> I mean, not really. I mean, it doesn't really have anything to do with vinyl I'm either. surrounded by vinyls though well, yes, there very is that. 70s if it helped I didn't know that until I looked it up so I'm also probably stupider because oh, as fair, a person yeah, who collects yeah. vinyls I probably should have known that term <laughs> but I didn't and I learn and we all learn but you know it's cool every day is a learning day every day is a learning day Licorice Pizza is the story of Alana Kane and Gary Valentine played grown- by Alana Haim and Cooper Hoffman. It's not Seymour Hoffman, is it? It's just Hoffman, which I always... Wait. Philip Seymour Hoffman. That's why I wondered. Was Seymour just his middle name? I'm guessing so, because this is just Cooper Hoffman. Mm, he's great. We'll get to this. We'll get to kind of what we thought about the performance, isn't it? But it is Alana Heim from the band Heim, the youngest Heim member. One who we, third of Heim. We absolutely adore. It also has the rest of the Heim sisters. And just the entire... The, the entire Heim family. And he's here. more of the dad. Uh, he's fucking wonderful. We'll get to that. Um... But yeah, it's a it's a star turn for both the leads. I think Alana and uh, Cooper are definitely going to be kind of I think for me anyway ones to watch after this film. Um, so the story follows Alana Kane and Gary Gary Valentine growing up, running around, and falling in love in the San Fernando Valley in the nineteen seventies. It's written and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, and it tracks the treacherous navigation of love at first sight. Uh, with a little bit of controversy thrown in for good measure yeah, as well. I would say this isn't quite a friendship, isn't <clears throat> quite a love story. A weird little imbalance, yeah. There's a mix of both of it, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's like this weird in-between place, which, I, you know what, I think is really refreshing. It's kind of new. You don't see that all the time. It's very much geared towards one way or the other. Yeah. Either they'll be platonic friends or they'll end up in a relationship, and that's... We should it. probably... because we haven't. The, the reason the, the controversy arose is because Gary Valentine uh, and, and Cooper himself are 50, so that, I think that kind of exemplifies his performance even more. He's, oh, he's, he's 15, actually yeah. 15. He's a, My God. He's he, a, th- those pimples were real. He plays an old 15-year-old. Well done him. He really embodied yeah, what that character man. was about. Well, I mean, yeah. And she, I think, I don't know. I think Alana Heim's a little bit older. I think she's like maybe in her late 20s, but she plays 25-year-old. So there's this budding romance between a 15-year-old child and a 25-year-old adult is obviously kind of room for controversy and room for discussion. <laughs> Uh, I think we should probably start there. I think before we really get into what we feel about the film and okay. what we feel about the performances, Absolutely. I think because there's a couple of controversies here, and so I, I understand why. So I'm feeling that Gary, played by Cooper, is a very old 15-year-old. The way he holds himself around other adults, he was a child star, so yeah. he's like had to grow up quite quickly, yeah. and you see he just wants to move on and up in life and crack on. And he does play a very old 15-year-old, and Alana plays a very young 25-year-old, where she's kind of like, yeah. yeah, it's arrested development. It is arrested development. It's a bit of like a mix between arrested development and this idea of like failure to launch, this idea of people stuck in um, infancy, and this, this idea of people stuck in kind of an inability to move past childhood. Now, I'm not, we're neither of us saying it's, it's appropriate, because it's not. Oh, it's, it's very much not appropriate. Not. But I think it makes it easier to watch 
knowing that one, it's addressed because it this is, was a yeah. thing that happened in the seventies. Like, come on, we were all a lot looser. And when it was a boy and an older woman, it was all like, "Oh, mate, oh, go you." How I'm kind of cool yeah. I'm kind of glad Anderson actually covered that because that's only that's only a mindset that I think has changed within the last ten years. Like even you think back to that, there's an iconic episode of South Park. South where, Park, where Ike starts dating his teacher, and the police were all like, "Oh, good for him." Yeah, but it is. It's an it's an interesting discussion that like female predatory behavior has only really just came into the the conversation and you're right back in 73 i mean anderson the reason he made this film and the reason he directed this film is because he had a friend it's actually based off a true story you had a friend who was 15 who had a date with a 20 year old woman Ooh. and he kind of envisioned I, I don't think it went past a date but i think he envisioned oh what would this relationship be like if it continued uh, how would these two um kind of how would these two influence each other's lives? Yeah, but I, but I honestly think that there is a lot in that there isn't a lot in the way of reciprocation, at least for the most for of the, the most film. Part, yeah. Um, I think it, it, it that definitely makes it easier. It that does. The way the characters are portrayed, yeah. you tend to feel that they are closer in age. Yeah. And it's only when Lana addresses it and keeps telling them that he's a child that you actually remember it, and, again. And I also think the age gap is extremely important to the narrative as well because it, the, the, the oh, inter- it would the, not work. The, otherwise. I mean, thematically, it's all about this. You write the state of Arrested Development for her and this state of failure to launch for him he is desperate to be an adult and you see that through his actions and you see that through the fact that what at age 15 he has like two businesses by the end of the film yeah man the way he's, he dresses he draws like, like eight year old dad. men everywhere yeah goes around knows all the local restaurateurs yeah. and the owners has his own money because of his acting career so he kind of gets to act and in he has this like world. level of showmanship that I think Hoffman uh, portrays so phenomenally yeah he, well he says that about himself as a character yeah he's that, a showman like, he's a showman and that really is portrayed but even in the way he interacts with all the adult characters even even past Alana, like the way he interacts with kind of the, the casting agents or the, uh, or even his mum, like his relationship with his mum is quite interesting because yeah, she kind of relies on, on him. Their, yeah, yeah, it's very much he's always on their level. Um, always tries to be anyway. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, again, it's incredibly morally fucked up. Like we're not denying that. But I, again, I, I I hate this idea that we are almost like so quick to cancel things because they deal with controversial or touchy subjects. And I really want to steer away from that. I think as far as literary criticism, like this is a literary piece. People who think that film aren't pieces of literature and pieces of art can go suck my dick. <laughs> um, but we we can't we can't immediately cancel things just because it has a controversial topic or it, it or a, a topic that you think may be yeah. uncomfortable to you. Feel free not to watch it if you <laughs> may be creeped out by a intimate relationship between a 15-year-old boy and a 25-year-old woman. But if you are mature enough to understand that and I don't think Anderson's framing this as a positive healthy thing. Oh, it's fully not a healthy relationship he that they have and he's saying like obviously he wanted to create a, a, a film that felt inherently 70s and steeped in the nostalgia and well, the not period only does it feel like it's steeped in the period it it feels like the movie just absolutely in every possible yeah. way wants to be a movie that was made in the 70s yeah short of time travel i don't know what else he could have done yeah well this is it like i do, I do think a lot of people i don't think people are adept enough in literary criticism but 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 canceling movies that accurately depict certain time periods because they make you uncomfortable is a terrifying indictment on your inability to appreciate art it's like the people who try and ban of mice and men in schools or mockingbird because they have like i don't know I feel like I'm going to get some flack for this, but I don't feel like racial slurs in, in, in period pieces should not be taught in school. Like, I get it, and I know I'm not the maybe not the kind of person who should have that opinion. I'm not sure. I feel like I'm getting myself into trouble on episode one of season Probably. two. But I also think there is there is an appreciation to art from a certain time period that you need to keep. It's reflective. It's, but this is it. Like, when you, when you cancel things and when you banish things from the public consciousness, what are you learning from? 
like, mean, how, it's, like, it's like the adage of those who don't heed history. This is, it. For this is it. It's like when Disney remakes Dumbo and gets rid of all the uh, all, all any the any, any allusion to the fact that Dumbo had extremely racist racist content in it. Like you are not learning from history by misrepresenting it. Yeah. I think is the problem. If you had a seventies that wasn't representative of how fucked the seventies could have been, but also how beautiful the seventies was, it was. I think this, this movie has such a period. good balance of like the seventies being this dark fucked up period, but also this period of a lot of a lot of light and a lot of beauty as well and a lot of art. A lot of music, a lot of colour. That time period where people walk up on the street and then just start like yeah. doing that leg dance or just kick one leg out either side then everyone in the little group would join in. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I'm not saying this is right. It's definitely not right. The relationship I don't think is portrayed as meant to be until, I mean, we'll get to this. I think there there is one fuck up Anderson makes and I think I want to get to this a little bit later on. Okay, um, but art is allowed to make you feel uncomfortable and none of, of it that diminishes what is still a sublimely crafted movie with two extremely interesting characters and extremely brilliant yeah. performances. I think it just has to be, like, true. Like yeah. Candyman, for example. This is it. Those people got pissed off at that because it was, quote-unquote, political. How dare they? <laughs> but it hit on such important <laughs> themes and How it had such they? an interesting narrative and gave such a good perspective yeah. that, like, no matter what they really did, it would yeah. have been a worthwhile piece of art. I mean, there is, before we move on to how we felt about the film, there is another controversy I quickly want to... I feel like to... I know where this is going. Well, go on. What, what, what do you think? <laughs> is, is this the racism towards the Japanese? So, yeah, there is this subplot, and I, I say subplot really loosely because it's barely even that. Um, about one of the characters who uh, his mum works for, which is a copywriter for, um, who owns a Japanese restaurant. And his kind of whole shtick is that he has a different Japanese wife every week. So he's American. And yeah, he has two different Japanese wives. And he talks to them in the broken English Japanese accent. And it's revealed later that he doesn't even speak Japanese. And he's just straight up racist. But it's never really... I don't feel like that's ever fully addressed. It's kind of there. And... I think I've heard a couple of people laughing in the cinema, but I kind of felt it, uncomfortable. Yeah, this is the thing. Like, I think when we saw it, it, does, it happens twice. And the actor's John Michael Higgins as well, who you'll probably know best from Pitch Perfect. Yeah, uh, right? no, of course not. He's in loads of things. Yeah. Um, well, this again, this is the thing. Like, Anderson, how he, he's kind of talked about this as well. He thinks, and I kind of agree with him, that it's 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 a form of, of again, insincerity if you don't portray. No, I get it. It was real. Like, that shit still happens to this day yeah. consistently. Yeah. I hear someone doing a Middle Eastern accent at least once a week. And it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's awful. And, but, it, but again, he's, he's capturing kind of reality and especially reality in the 70s. But again, he says reality. Now, his, so his, um, Anderson's dad and his mother, I think his mother's Japanese. Uh, and he apparently still hears people talk to her in that kind of broken English, that kind of uh, super racist kind of. I mean, it is, it is slurs at the end of the day, and it is oh, super offensive. Oh, yeah. But I, I do, I do kind of concur with some people that I almost don't feel like Anderson took it far enough in the film. Whereas, like, it happens twice; it's yeah. almost played off as a laugh. Yeah, that's what it is. It felt like one of those jokes that would be in a nineties sitcom yeah. or something. Yeah, it felt kind of past its time. Yeah, <laughs> rather than being like a, a mirror, it was. Felt like a gag. He, honestly, if he wanted to do it, which I feel like he should have, I feel like this is definitely something that should have been brought into the, into the attention of the film, but I think he should have done more with it. I think there should have been some repercussions or some kind of follow-through on that narrative thread. But also, I wondered that, I mean, people who know Anderson know that that's not really how he works as a storyteller. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I don't blame him, really. Yeah. <laughs> He's, I wouldn't say this has a plot per se as a series of yeah. happenings and incidents. I kind of love that. I know you are not as... as no, I like of... that. I don't need 
particularly that narrative. Well, let's get into if we're going to get into why we what we liked and what we didn't like. Let's get into the review. Like, I I do genuinely think I love this. Movie. We haven't started yet. Well, no, we've just been talking Used about controversy for 16 minutes. Um, I genuinely think this is an achingly beautiful film. It's powerfully evocative. It's a powerfully evocative love letter to the 70s that's equals parts incredibly affectionate, but also similarly admonishing, I think, in a way that I, I think I think Anderson paints the San Fernando Valley at this time as both a a period of great beauty and of great levels of darkness as well. Like we have all this, this really cute humor, the, these really cute interactions alongside little weird subplots of like, you have a murderer on the loose at one point and yeah. you have our main character, Gary. And again, let's get into spoiler territory as well. I tell you, tell you what, tell you what, before we do, we'll give a quick non-spoilery review. In fact, I call this out, Brian. This is Liam talking to you from the future. No. There's no fucking spoilers in this. I don't know why I'm fucking talking. You have a murderer running loose who's referred to once and then dropped. You have an aging movie star doing tricks for attention. It has this obscure fascination with Hollywood. And I, I say obscure because it's almost prophetic in the way that you have these two burgeoning stars with Alana and um, with Cooper kind of playing themselves in a way. Like you have... You have two people who are new to film and new to, to cinema and new to Hollywood, playing people who are aching for Hollywood and aching for Hollywood glamour and aching for that kind of, that recognition, I think, is, is what they're both desperate for. And, and one of the big, biggest themes, I think, is that they both just want someone to care for them, either in Cooper's case, sorry, in Gary's case, romantically, or in Alana's case. I think she just needs that attention. I think she's just a character who's starved for attention. She's the youngest sister in a family of five, all of whom live at home. And again, I think a lot of the comedy really works from kind of those family dynamics. Because I, yeah, I see What are you of, thinking, you thinker? I just, it's so it's so unapologetically realistic the way they portray the family and the way they portray all the characters. And I think the way Anderson portrays character in all of his films is uncomfortably real. That's 90% of the movie is how Alana yeah. goes around and addresses people. She's like tirading down the halls. It's like, fuck off out of my way, yeah. teenagers. It's, it's so, it's so accurate. It's so beautifully well done and well performed by Alana as well. What a breakout. I mean, me what and you have, a breakout. me and you have been fans of Heim since, I, I mean, for oh, me anyway, yeah. since their first record, since, since I heard, I heard falling and weirdly enough, Anderson's, um, cause Anderson's a bit obsessed with Heim as well. He does all their music videos now. Uh, he heard falling uh, from the first album, and he, he he what he said was he basically kept hearing it on repeat, like it would follow him everywhere everywhere he went. So anytime he put the radio on, it was on. He was like, "Who the fuck are these three these, these three girls that keep following me around?" Uh, but also his mother, I think, uh, sorry, um, that, the Motherheim. I don't know what her name is. Uh, she also had quite a personal relationship with Anderson as well, and I think they're actually really close. And I I, I I quite like that element to it. I think that lends to the authenticity of the film as well. You can see that. This is a passion project not only for Anderson but also for Cooper and for Alana as well. Yeah, but I feel I feel like it definitely shows in the way that her character is portrayed because it feels like he knows her and how to get the best yeah. out of her before yeah. she's even walked on the set. And what a refreshing and again I think a lot of the reasons they cast Alana as well. What a refreshing take to have actors walk around with no makeup on in a film. Like yeah, both her and uh, and Cooper. As well, just just these and not just them either. Raw performances. It felt like almost everyone yeah. that was in this looked like a normal human, a normal yeah. per average person, and it was amazing. Well, we have. I mean, let's get onto that. The cameos in this, just in and of themselves, are a little movie. Because again, you're right. Like the way Anderson tells his narratives as they are, they're these weird little disjointed slices of life. That, that there is this overarching theme where uh, uh, what, I'm forever referring to them as happenings and incidences. Happenings and incidences. I like that. It's concise. Um, 
so yeah, the game, I mean, you could you could argue that the plot is Alana and uh, Gary trying to make a business for themselves. They make a waterbed business to start, and then they go into full time acting, and then Alana goes into uh, politics for a little bit, and then they go into. So this is kind of the thing well, that really, strings us along, but really, it's really not about that. none of that's yeah. relevant. None of it's relevant. It's not about that. It's about these interactions, and it's about these characters' growths and their depth. Um, and, and along the way we meet, so we've got cameos from Maya Rudolph, we've got cameos from uh, Sean Penn, we've got Bradley Cooper and probably the best of, of the cameos <laughs> uh, playing Barbara Streisand's boyfriend, who's just this manic, uh, borderline psychotic douchebag. Yeah, it's, like, <laughs> it's probably the best way to describe him. You see him like angry and drunk, some of them about constantly. Yeah. He walks past a couple of women's like, do you like peanut butter sandwiches? And that's like opening <laughs> line. It's, oh. I mean, ultimately, these ventures are irrelevant to the idea that this is a story about two deeply interesting, fucked up people. And as as cliche as cliche as it might sound, it is a coming of age drama for both of them. It's a it's a moment of realization, and I'm I'm still not quite getting to the point where I want to talk about my one fatal flaw with this film. But I think I don't know if you know what it is yet, and I'm wondering. For you, I actually don't. Well, let's we'll get there. I think because I want to keep I want to keep talking about the positives for now. Um, I think this is an incredibly accurate movie. It's it's honest. It's brutal honest and it's uncomfortable and i think those moments of uncomfortableness really lend to how 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 deeply affecting the actual story is and it, it did hit me it didn't make me cry or anything it's not going to be one of those films i've looked back at and think jesus no, that really I, th- I think if anything this is one of anderson's happier movies yeah i think it's a, a lot lighter and again you, you think compared comparing it to something like boogie nights which again one of my all-time favorites there's a lot more kind of vibrancy and i think again the interplay with the soundtrack the way the soundtrack um dances with these moments these flights of fancy as well kind of lends to the lightness of it it is just it is it's, it's a slice of the 70s portrayed on the big screen lovingly portrayed on the big screen as well especially we, now since COVID, everyone's been locked yeah. in Every, there's there's that want for wanderlust again yeah yeah oh absolutely i mean his, his filmography is filled with shiny moments of genius like other than inherent vice which i've never been a massive fan of I, I think I think my adoration is going to continue with him into Licorice Pizza. There are scenes here that are so true to life, so painfully realistic, you almost forget you're watching actors perform their lines. There are shots so lavish and painstakingly choreographed. We get these long, drawn-out tracking shots of them, like, running. There's a lot of running shots in this film, which I think, again... There's a few. It's like, and if you want me to be a literary critic, if you want me to be that wanky arsehole who, like, wants to read into everything, I mean, we've got a character running away from their 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 responsibilities and their adulthood and we've got one character running too fast into the future i mean this is this is why literary criticism exists and this is why i think for film can be so powerful and it, why i'm so thankful that we got to see a film like this on the big screen before disney entirely closed the market <laughs> and just and everything is spider-man 4 it's not even mainstream it, we had to go to a indie cinema well this it. is the problem again and i mean this has been talked about for oscars but we're not seeing a lot at the minute, I think I don't even think Belfast is getting a wide release, and it's a shame. And it is because I would be, argue with me all you want. This is a much, much better film than something like. And I enjoyed Spider Man to an extent, but this is a much better film. And this is like a much. I, I genuinely think people are people trying to argue like, oh, but it's not a big budget superhero film with action and explosions. This is better shot. This has more beautiful scenes than anything in Spider Man. Uh, there's like one. Sh- there's one shot that he filmed that it. Bull- there's well, there's two I want to talk about, but there's one shot he films through a window. And it's near the end, and it's at the it's it's when Gary opens uh, one of his other ventures, um, and it's all filmed th- static shot through a window. And I swear to God, my jaw was on the floor with just how beautifully he'd managed to stage one of these shots. That and there's another shot in a uh, in a van, which you'll know uh, where one of the characters is driving a van, and it's yeah. it's it's like this five minute segment, and it's maybe one of the best things I've seen all year. And I I, I just 
But I, I just like, lose my mind a little bit in moments like this. I really like the part where, do you know, when they're in his agent's office yeah. and they're both there yeah. and she's on the phone for most of it, but they do an extreme close-up of her face. Yeah. Like, oh, down to, like, you can see every molecule <laughs> in every tooth. And it's so intense it is, and provocative. Yeah. And it's intimate. There, intimate. Intimate. I, intimate is probably the best word I can that's use to describe the right, it. That's the right word. It, I just felt so close and to that moment. Intimate and hilarious. Like, me, we were consistently, apart from the, the you're right, I think Anderson fumbles it a little bit with, with some of the intentions with the, with the jokes. I get but what I, they were going for. But I think a lot of it is is genuinely hilarious. Yeah. Well. Like we were cackling throughout. The, the, the beats work. Yeah. The humor works. It's very funny. It's very much like, uh, this is probably how I'd react to a bunch of kids. Yeah, probably, of I mean, absolutely. Again, it feels realistic in that sense. The way Anderson tells his narratives are not going to be for everyone. He has always had this way of telling very loosely interconnected narrative beats. A character might, like, you're right, like, a character might get a job and the next minute they're at a party and the next minute, like, they're, I don't know, washing their clothes, yada, yada. A lot of it doesn't kind of, it feels like it progresses the same way life progresses. Life just kind of happens in spite of itself. We go where life takes us. It's unpredictable and we are just along for the ride. But it's those small character interactions, like you said, in the agency office or later when, um, again, spoiler territory for people who haven't seen it, I don't want to ruin too much of the really good scenes. They've been warned. They've been warned. Um, but like, even the scenes where um, where Gary uh, is, is, is falsely arrested and Alana uh, can take him out of prison and they just have this beautiful shot of them running around and they're laughing and giggling. It's, it's those moments that I well, think... That's the first time she runs towards him because yeah. he gets inexplicably just taken away for whatever reason. She's like, suspect blue vest... Uh, blue shirt, 16-year-old. He's like, I'm 15, not 16. <laughs> it's these small character moments and these small moments that somehow add up to a much larger whole. It's equal parts vulnerable as it is grand, I think. And you can see Anderson's influence all the way through, his adoration for the time period from its elaborate photorealistic style, the decision to have non-actors wearing makeup, like we said. And in the soundtracks, so we have Wings, we have Sonny and Cher, we have Bowie. There's this beautiful Life on Mars scene that you probably saw in the trailer. But anytime that song comes on, I get a little bit giddy anyway. Um... <laughs> But I do, I do, I do kind of want to circle back to what I think if if there is an issue with the controversies with the age gap, and I know a lot of people say, "Oh, try and reverse the roles." If this was a twenty-five-year-old man and a fifteen-year-old girl, how would this play? And well, I, I mean, get that, right? But isn't there a oh, I want to say Clint Eastwood in like the, made in seventy-three, I think, where there's this young hippie girl who's definitely underage, and he's like a wrinkled divorcee this, or something. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I can't, uh, I can't remember what it that is. That was but, yeah. made in seventy-three, but, but, and that was uncomfortable. But also, even more recently, someone pointed out that, uh, and I can't remember this film for the life of me, but twenty. One Jump Street, Jonah Hill's character is, oh, is a yeah. full-grown adult, but he's hitting on a high school girl yep, throughout the entire film. Um, it's an interesting one. I, do, I don't, and I do think you could you could make a film with a twenty-five-year-old man and a fifteen-year-old girl, and yes, it still would be as weird as this is. And, and and none of us are defending the relationship, but we are defending the art and the 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 growth. And even if you see Gary's as a character, his his coming-of-age story, Alana. She is an integral part of that, for better or worse, whether or not this is predatory or whether or not it is. And, and, and yeah, you're right, it is. It's a 25-year-old girl. and and I mean, let's be clear, he's fully creeping on her. Though, for like but this, this is the, the thing, and she is non-reciprocative until, and, and we're getting there, the, the bit that I think kind of fucking Wait, throws the baby with... Well, not even that. He was just like, well, I really want to see your boobs. You go on camera and show your boobs off, but you won't show me. This, and is, this is why I didn't off, mind like, that. Comes back like, 
fine. You want to see them, you can fucking see them. Pulls them out, puts them back up, and then, like, there's no romanticism there. Well, this she's is just it, trying yeah. to, like, appease a child, and she fucks off again. Well, th- th- again, this is why I think that, that that scene didn't bother me, actually, because, I, again, I think we, we when we over-sexualize breasts anyway in the media and in Hollywood, breasts, I, my tits are no different to a woman's tits. But this was very under-sexualized, which was I like. Just the whole movie, the there was no, like, think... sex, the carnal... The kind of lust that's in the thing, Boogie Nights, for example. Yeah. And Magnolia, that's not here in this. No. But I, again, I think the bit that shits the bed a little bit, and I don't even know if it does, because I think on a rewatch, I might see it differently, is the ending. The oh, very, really? Only because, and again, Sprite, massive spoiler alert for the ending. If you haven't seen this film, I want to say we're going to talk about this for maybe I two minutes. I mean, by this point, so. remember, Gary's probably like 16. He, I think they said he's 17 at this point. I think oh, enough 17. time has passed so, away. Yeah, he's 17. A, when we start the movie, yeah. in a month's time, he would have been 16. I and just, then he has two businesses. So, in that so yeah, time. at the end, they they end up kind of they have a, a falling out. They they do meet up with each other. Gary kisses Alana. Well, that's a really that's a really important scene though. You just kind of glossing over. Sorry, it. You, you took you go for it. Yeah. Where he's opened his pinball business and he's asked Alana to come. He's given the message to Danielle Haim. Telling her to come along, make sure she gets the message, and she isn't there, and he's just not happy. So he runs off to go and find her, and goes to where she's going to be working. She's had a shitty day as well, yeah. and she's been off with like the councilman and his boyfriend, mm-hmm. and she has this moment of realization. It's just like, God, I'm miserable. Where's Gary? Like he's been consistent they, yeah, they, they can't for ages do, now. They can't live without each other at this point, can they? But that's really? when they redo the running as well, and it shows you the last clips of them, her yeah. running to him in the jail, yeah. him running after her, and it shoots to both of them yeah. running at each other. But it's not in a it's not in that way where it's like um really fast. I can't remember what it is as a film, I think it might be Walking Phoenix, mm. where he's like absolutely sprinting and all like cameraman was like having to struggle to keep up with him mm-hmm. and that was kind of like born out of like passion and desperation mm-hmm. whereas this it's the way they run towards each other is a lot lower in pace it's a lot less is, fervent yeah, yeah. and they're just like the searching and looking it's more it feels more hopeful than it does and even that has a, it has a joke within that as well where they actually when they meet each other they slip and fall and it's, oh, it's, it's, it's a really cute little moment um, but I, 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 I do wonder because again the I think their relationship as a couple has always been one-sided throughout the majority of the film. But but having her but say... how much of that is her being like, I'm an adult, I can't do this, it's... Okay. I don't know, but the thing is, I don't know, I genuinely don't think she sees anything past platonic... No, I don't think she friendship is either, until... but how much of that is her preventing herself from thinking I mean, potentially, I'm not really sure, but... I, guess I know she addresses it with Danielle, where they sat there, and she says several times... It's weird times, that like, I'm hanging weird, out with Gary and his 15-year-old friends. It's weird that I'm yeah. hanging out, yeah, and Danielle's like, well, it is what you think it is, yeah. like, yeah, it's fucking weird that I'm hanging out with 15-year-olds. Yeah. <laughs> so she knows it, but... um. Again, it's her it's her lusting for childhood rather than Gary as a sexual conquest, I think. It's more of yeah. her she wants to still be a fifteen year old old girl. Um I just wish I think the bit that it, it fumbles a little bit, but again, I think I might be wrong and I think I think, you're wrong I too. think on a rewatch, I I wish she hadn't said that she loved him back at the end. Well he didn't say it to only her. Only because I know but this is the thing, but only because I do think at the the, the place we leave them it's still a very toxic relationship. And, and we don't see her actually say the words with her mouth hole. With her like, mouth hole. It's a dub over where she says, I love you, Gary. Yeah, But yeah. it's you don't see her mouth move. She doesn't say it in that moment. I often wonder whether or not this is Gary imagining it almost. Well, well, ha. Ha, 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 ha. You're falling into my trap. <laughs> You've activated my uh, trap card. So while we're here on that... Um, 
this movie, in certain aspects to me, I kind of wonder if it is all just from Gary's perspective in the future. Because it's one of those things where the tales as we go along get taller mm. and it becomes more outlandish and the things that happen. It's yeah. all about like teenage events and happenings and incidences, like I say. But like when they go... <laughs> like I say, I say, I do. <laughs> when you meet the elderly director, Jack. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, played um, by... Oh, is shit. that Sean Penn? That's, no, that's the actor. He's the... Oh, fuck. So... Sean Penn is Jack Holden actor, and you have Tom Waits who plays Rex Blau, who is Fucking a Tom Tom Waits by the Tom way. Tom Waits, and he has some weight in his performance as well. Although he's not like he's only in one that. scene. <laughs> I don't know how much I appreciate that. But between him and Sean Penn, um, there's this whole scene with Alana where she jumps on the back of a motorbike, and Sean Penn's going to do a stunt and jump over the fire, yeah. and it's all mismatched. She falls off. Gary runs to her. And as we go along, we have Bradley Cooper, who's absolutely oh insane. God, and they him. happen to deliver a waterbed to his house and break Bribe Streisand's house by flooding it with a water hose. Yeah. And it just feels like these tales are getting taller as we go along. You're and not very wrong, much you know. feels like a retrospective yeah. of someone looking back on the life. Which again could play into Anderson's idea of that he's he's retrospectively retrospectively, sorry, telling us about a person he knew when he was fifteen. Uh, who had a, a relationship with a, with a twenty year old woman? Um, so you're absolutely right. This could the, the the level of fabrication here is also up for debate. I think. And I don't think and, it, I don't think it detracts from the film itself. I, I really no, don't. I don't. I don't think it's even important to be honest whether that's real Did or you, not. But when you see them kiss at the end, she says "I love you" to Gary, yeah. but we don't see her actually visibly say the words. So this could have happened at any point in the future. It might just be a nod to, or maybe they will be happy in the future. Um, but they just kiss, and that's kind of it's, what we end on yeah. and I choose to believe that I love you didn't happen there and then it's a, it's a it's a again I think it lends to the idea of realism and it lends to the idea of um imperfection you like this movie more than me and I'm defending no, it no I absolutely love this movie no I'm not I'm not I I just think there's a level of toxicity in the relationship regardless of whether or not it ends like that I still think there's a level of toxicity well, that's real really... there's a level of toxicity no. in our relationship <laughs> well no I get that there's a level of toxicity in everything I get I understand that but I almost think it's the it's the same as the graduate. So the, the, obviously the 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 end of the graduate is them realizing that the, the the mistake that they made. Well, sorry, the decision to run off together is a is a terrible mistake. And I, well, you can't tell with these. That's that's this is why tell. I like You're it because right, you, you can't. can't tell. Yeah. This could bloom to be a relationship where they end up helping each other continue to grow as people because that's what they relied on each and other we for. We also don't know if the I love you is platonic or if it's romantic either, I think. Like the kiss yeah, is for Gary and, the, and Gary initiates the kiss. Gary initiates the kiss. But I mean, he's 17, she's 25. It could happen now legally. Maybe not oh, in America. Wait, not in America, yeah, shit. Not in America. Still fucked up. I mean, it's, too, it's still a big age gap. Like, I mean, she wouldn't it's be still a big age gap. But yeah. again, Gary's had businesses. He's acted. He's been raised around adults. He has a adult adult relationship with his own mother. You don't even see his dad. So there's that kind of like generational like mind fuck there a little bit because he doesn't have a father figure where he acts like a child towards. He is. He's almost a father to his brother as well, isn't he? He's very almost a father to his brother. Yeah. Uh, and I think that plays off really well that they could potentially have a relationship that does allow them to continue to grow as people. Mm. But it also begs the question, is this going to be a horribly volatile relationship? Yeah, this is where I'm That where they continue yeah. to break up. You don't know. And I think that's the nice because part. I don't, it's the human condition. Well, I don't you think... You take that risk. This is it. I and mean, I think what a lot of people are, are a misunderstanding about the film is the fact that films have to be 
angled towards your no not even that but angled towards your sensibility of right and wrong Ah, and i think that's that's the problem like you can tell a story about severely fucked up people and still have it be yeah man uplifting some people don't want to blow parliament some of us do well this is it it's it's about it's about i mean you're right like a lot of people even something like i think like the most depraved kind of film like salu uh the 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 maki de sad uh fucking Orgy, old, orgy old. fest like i mean you can or even human centipede to it to an extent like people are like yeah, oh but this like old boy where it's like you feel these characters have had sex with a father and a daughter it's incestuous it is. but you just feel bad for them you don't feel like that's disgusting you just feel heartbroken yeah. that they've had to endure it and i don't i do want to wrap this up because i didn't realize how long we're going for um but i think as far as the controversies go, I all I would say is watch the film. Have your opinion. Oh, still controversies. But no, <laughs> have your opinion. Post like have your opinion about the the controversy. You, no one's right or wrong in this situation. Oh, you're allowed an opinion. Uh, but Obviously. do make sure you see the film first. Don't cancel things just because it has uncomfortable subject matter that you're not maybe maybe you're too fragile to to handle or too too immature to discuss. I think, and especially a film about immaturity. Well, I think it's it. it's about understanding. Yeah, like it's a it's a learning experience. You look at this through almost like a scientific lens of media. Yeah. Well, this is it. It's meant to be retrospective of the time period again, and it, it is. It's meant to be retrospective of of a person that Anderson knew as well. Which I think, again, if we're limiting what our artists, what kind of stories our artists can tell, that's really worrying for me. Yeah. Um, but Don't I do want to. I kind of want to just just before we go. If if you're not totally convinced by that argument. Oh, when Doctor Who became Matt Smith and he said, oh, still not ginger, my auntie, oh my God. my auntie fully was kicking off my man being like, that's disgusting. How can they say that? It's so anti-ginger. And I was just explaining to him, like, you've clearly never watched the show because he wants to be ginger and that was the joke. You've just jumped on the bandwagon of, oh, someone said this is wrong. I agree. Don't be that the, person. Um, Think for yourself. Or it's the Mass Effect sex scandal thing where Fox News went acker when the first Mass Effect came out because it had it portrayed depictions <laughs> of sex. And it's like, no, no, you're making a game where my child can pick up and he can have sex with an alien. And it's like, you definitely haven't played the fucking game, have you? Yeah. Um, uh, my final thoughts I, I absolutely adore this film uh, I think it's an achingly beautiful film it's powerfully evocative love letter to the 70s that's equal parts incredibly affectionate and similarly astoundingly uh, honest and in a way that I think Anderson paints the San Fernando Valley in, in this in this beautifully hauntingly dark light it's a story about the human condition existing within shades of grey and while this isn't probably close to Anderson's best it is still a joy to watch based entirely on its craft its performances and its direction like it, it's just it's just a, a fucking joy from beginning to end i give it a five out of five I, it's a four marks for me yeah I, I have i don't have a bad thing to say about it. the problem with these types of movies is i just don't care about the human condition i don't care about teenagers well, you're i don't care monster. about romance or love <laughs> even when i was a teenager that period where we broke up for a few months I wasn't like pining or listening to sad he's songs lying. and music. He's, he's, I w- Whereas I remember specifically, I was listening to Adele's "Someone Like You" at a New Year's party on the stairs, crying my eyes out because you're a monster. I just kind of got on with like, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. and those types of movies don't appeal to me. However, objectively, I can tell you this is staggeringly beautiful. It is true. It is life. It is real. The performances are out of this world, and it was so good to see the whole Heim family. Oh my movie god, right. we're meant to be so seeing them this year uh, on tour. Fingers crossed if COVID doesn't ruin our... Damn you, COVID. It's already ruined one gig for us this year. But um, yeah, it really gives that <laughs> sense of wanderlust that people have been craving since we've been locked up and cooped up. And it just makes you want to be somewhere that you aren't. Uh, tit for task, good and bad. It, it transports you. Yeah, this is it. 
And I think, again, stark performances from Milana and from I, I yeah. need to see more from both Can of these. Can not big those two up enough. Yeah. Uh, my mind is absolutely blown. Good good for Alane. Honestly, Coop, honestly Cooper, amazing. Coop, Cooper was only blew me away more. Like, not only does he look like his dad, he has his acting chops as well. Like Right. It, I honestly it almost brought me to tears. Like if it, nothing in the film necessarily made me cry, but watching Cooper uh, Hoffman perform, just seeing his dad, and I was like uh, it's it's uh, not not enough time has passed for me to fully be over Phil, over Philip Seymour Hoffman I think and it, it just it did hit me quite hard. Um, yeah, five out of five for me. Do go see it at your earliest convenience if you can. If you have any interest, no matter how minor, in just a story of being and life, go see it. There's nothing I can possibly critique this on. I even think Liam's wrong about how the ending wraps up. Okay, I think it's great. I think there's a lot you can take away. Standout performances by all. Get yourself there as soon as you can before it's gone. Let let the world know that we want these types of movies. Yeah, we want yeah. independent, free thinkers making yeah. innovative ideas. Just films with a theme would be nice every now and again. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, thank you so much for listening to our very first episode of Fresh Meat. Yeah. We hope you liked it. We hope you enjoyed it. I hope you had as much fun as I did. Um, we will be back very shortly with a few more episodes of this show. Anytime we see a film in the theatre, we will be giving you one, so you'll be expecting quite a lot of these. <laughs> quite um, a lot. I think he we're seeing Titan next. I think we'll see, be, be seeing Titan or Scream next, which I'm very excited for both. Uh, do check us out on Instagram at Bad Taste Buds Pod and Twitter at Bad Taste Buds Pod and on Facebook at Bad Taste Buds Podcast. I love you loads. I missed you. And then let's have a really good 2020, guys. Yeah. Try licorice pizza and tell us how it tastes. Or don't, because that sounds fucking awful. Bye. Bye.